DJ PK and the radio voice of the Utah Jazz joining us now, David Locke, his weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. You? I'm great. You know why? Because it's Friday morning and I get to talk with my two good friends, David James and Patrick Kinahan. And they're legends in the market of Utah. They've been here forever. <laughs> this is the number one rated morning show. They bring insight. They bring knowledge. PK brings a little caustic energy. DJ's my buddy, and it makes me happy that you're still here every morning. You got 10 minutes to stop that. <laughs> 10 minutes to stop that. What's that was, up, guys? That wasn't exactly what he said when he met me in a bagel shop and lowballed me and tried to convince me to do morning radio. <laughs> Why am I still a victim of having no budget 25 years ago? Uh, yeah, really. Good point. Because it's fun. Okay. Let me All ask right. you a question. Yeah. Um, if I'd given you like $5,000 more then and said, but I want 3% all of your future earnings, how would have Ooh. I done? Ooh. You'd have cashed in. <laughs> okay, but so but you've already cashed in, so <laughs> how many times do you need to cash in? A lot. All right, are the Jazz going to cash in on the Clippers? That is the question. They beat them once. Joe Ingles told us how hard it is to beat a team twice, although he acknowledged they've already done it twice this year to New Orleans and Dallas. What are you expecting here? And I suppose that starts with who do you think is going to play and who do you think is going to sit? That's probably the first thing to figure out. Um, so let's assume I think returns tonight. Um I, I actually, if I was totally honest, I would have probably thought he returned. You know, once he went to questionable, I thought he would return. But um, so I'm, I'm think he'll return tonight. Uh, I think that kind of using that same logic, which turned out to be wrong the other day, that once you have um, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Nicholas Batum all questionable, I think they're all going to play. So I'm assuming we're getting a full strength game, and this is this is a great test. Like it doesn't. We lose, it doesn't disqualify the fact you've won 20 of 21 and that you're you know, a legitimate title contender. But there are two areas that I have of you know, concern for our path forward, and both of them will get exposed tonight. So that, that'll be really interesting. The two areas are the Clippers really kind of broke our method of play in the last game with inferior talent. <clears throat> Atlanta did the same thing with inferior talent. So... And that is that they hugged our shooters, made us play a two-man pick-and-roll game in the middle of the floor. We weren't able to move the basketball uh, and swing it around and get our threes and get those great moments. Ty Lue said in the Zoom call to me before the game, you know, I, don't, I, I want us out, not into closeouts. We've got to avoid being in closeouts. Well, the way you avoid being in closeouts is you, you hug the shooters and don't let them get passes. And so the, that's, they did that. I mean, the Jazz took more... Um, non-restricted area twos in the first half of that game than they had in like 13 or 14 complete games this year. So now we're going to see it again, but instead of having Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, and whatever other guard they had on the floor whose name is completely escaping me right now that was six feet tall and small, um, Reggie Jackson, they're going to have 6'9", Paul George, 6'9", Kawhi Leonard, and 6'8", Nicholas Batum. So are we able to pass... And in the two-man game in the middle of the floor, can we score? And I don't know. Like, I think that's a real concern for us. When Kawhi Leonard and Serge Ibaka are now guarding Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, pick and roll, and Paul George 
and Zubak are now guarding the Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert pick and roll. I think we could have a really hard time scoring in the middle of the floor. And if they're hugging our shooters, we better find a way to to get it out. But that's that's the concern for me. So then with the questionable status thing, as you view it as playing, are we viewing Mike Conley in those same words? Yeah, I think Mike Conley will play, and he'll be way, he'll be really, really valuable because now if that's the way you're playing, you can move Donovan off the ball and have Donovan come off pin downs or picks off Rudy or other players, small guard-to-guard picks, and then try to free him into so that the pick and roll is now coming off a run rather than coming off a static position at the top. And that'll, you know, Patrick Beverly got into Donovan and Donovan got like stood up a little bit. And now you're going to bring Donovan off a, off a wing pick and, and bring him. So he's got, you know, he's got the ball in flow and, and that should, that's where, you know, they really missed Mike the other night. So as we look around the West, obviously as the Jazz and Clippers play, they're going to be playing on the same floor the Lakers play on. And you've watched the Lakers Thursday. Man, with, without Anthony Davis, they don't have enough firepower. With him, they have a little margin for error. If, if their best two players are on, they're in pretty good shape. Uh, PK brought this up earlier this morning. Do you think the Lakers are going to make a move here? Do you think they feel like they need someone else who can score? So I've I got to give Rob Blinka some you know, credit. I don't know. I mean, you get LeBron and you get Anthony Davis, and so obviously, you know, you, you've got pretty good ingredients in the cake, and you're just putting a little frosting on it at that point. Um, but I do think that he's shown an aggressiveness. I don't know that I love the Dennis Schroeder move in the offseason, but he certainly he identified where he thought his championship team was lacking, and um, and then made the next step, which is you know that's pretty impressive to me actually. Um, that. You know, he was willing to do that. So I, they've been very active. They're the number one buyout market in the league. Everybody wants to play with LeBron. Um, so I would suspect that they w- that you'll see them make some sort of, of change. I don't know how dramatic. Like, are they going to, you know, they, they don't have a lot of picks left. New Orleans owns most of them. Kuzma's probably their most tradable piece. He's actually played brilliantly and actually decided to engage defensively at times. And he's super long. So he has some value and he's not that expensive. So I don't know. You know, they don't have like, I don't think they have a Bradley Beal package they can put together. Um, and so is there a, you know, is there another tier player where there's somebody up against the tax and you can make a move and you bring in somebody who, you know, you know, I don't know who I'm, I'm, you know, Denver always comes to mind. Like, are you somehow going to get a Gary Harris out of Denver who needs to clear some space to do something for some other deal? I don't know. Uh, but Polink has been very aggressive. I haven't looked at their schedule for the next two weeks. I mean, you know, obviously, the last two days have been really telling. They played Minnesota. That's a game that even without Anthony Davis, they still win. They played Brooklyn, has some firepower, and they don't. Like, I haven't looked to see over the next two weeks how many losable basketball games they really have. So, Anthony, Anthony, by the way, Anthony Davis is not back for, like, four weeks. It's like the reevaluate in two or three weeks. And yesterday, last night, Frank Vogel t- clarified that a little bit. Like, hey, he's, he's not coming back for, like, four weeks. So he's missing till post-All-Star break at best. With Conley coming back, does it automatically mean he goes into the starting lineup and Joe goes to the bench? Are there other possibilities, say, like maybe bringing Bogdanovich off the bench? Yeah, I think it automatically means that that, yes. I think you go right back to where you were. You don't lose your job for a starter, but he's also Mike Conley. So, yeah, you you go back. that You might, you might close differently, though. Frankly, I don't think we've been very good over the last few years, and even this year when Joe, Mike, and Donovan are all on the floor at the same time. Um, you know, 
Joe is having, I think, maybe the best seven-game stretch of his NBA career. It's pretty awesome. Um, and in you know, and in many ways, uh, you know, we're talking about Mike Conley as a potential All Star. I frankly think Joe Ingles has had a year that's that's probably, if Mike Conley's worthy, Joe's worthy. Mike's got a much better chance. There's no way we'll convince anyone of that. But I mean, Joe's really good after a sluggish start has been brilliant. And there's no question that Joe plays better in the starting lineup. But like, can we stop with like the the reason everyone plays better in the starting lineup is because they're playing with Rudy, right? Like. Like, this shouldn't be complicated for us anymore. Like, you look at the top ten pick-and-roll combinations in the NBA, there's only one big got two guards with him. It's Rudy. And frankly, like, when you look at, like, Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan, like, the reason's Kyrie Irving, right? Like, when you look at most of the pick-and-roll league combinations in the NBA, you go, oh, Chris Paul, like, oh. It's like, Rudy's the reason. Like, so Mike Conley is playing better this year because he plays every minute with Rudy Gobert. Joe Ingles is playing better when Mike Conley's out because he takes all the minutes with Rudy Gobert. So that's what's going on there. It's that you're, they all, they, you play with Rudy, you play better. Like, we all talk about the Joe Ingles, Derek Favors pick and roll and how great it is and we love it and they're combinate. Joe and Rudy have always been better than Joe and Derek. So a lot That's of, not a slight on Derek. That's just a comment on how great Rudy is. Saw a lot of discussion on social media about uh, Derek Favors and has he lost some athleticism? And I got to wonder if it, the back is bothering him. He's not on the injury report, but he was earlier this year. Do you have any thoughts on that as people see him finger roll and lay balls in that he used to dunk? I mean, I think he's clearly struggling physically or else he wouldn't have been on those um, – Injury reports, I, I think there's a there's going to be a little bit of a trick for Derek on, like, how he stays he's playing so much less than he's ever played before. So how do you stay, like, does your body get – I don't know how this works. I really – this is a legitimate just question. Like, does your body get fresh or does your body get stale when you're only playing 12 minutes a night and you're used to playing 25? Um, I, don't, I don't know on that. I think that's going to – is a challenge for Derek. You know, Derek came back to Utah in, because he loved it here and he loves Quinn and and he felt family and all those things. I also kind of would say that I, I, I don't think a lot of guys decide they're only going to play 14 minutes a night if they thought their body was able to play 34. Mm-hmm. Like there might have been some self-awareness going on here of like, wow, I'm just not physically able to go at 30 minutes a night anymore. And if I – sign this deal, get to a place I like, be with people I enjoy, be with a coach I believe in, and, you know, have a – and I can lengthen my career a little bit by playing 16 minutes a night. I, I have not talked to Derek. I mean, this is a classic example of where the pandemic just does not let us report the way we once did. I mean, this would this would be a conversation. You just hold it. I'm like, you know, why? And what were your thoughts? And how's your body? And like, you just would know the answer to these questions. You just don't know them right now. But that's my quick thought on that, is that it's not really the most natural thing for a player to do, to decide not to, to do that. Um, and, you know, the only other one I would say, I think it's probably a little bit more of a mental struggle again, you know, I apologize. Like, this is just one of these conversations where I just feel really like fish out of water right now, and it's because we just don't have the access we once did. But I go back to a quote earlier in my career where this actually happened in a dinner in Denver where I was out for dinner with Jeff Hornacek, and we were just talk, we were talking about the end of his career 
And he shared with me that what happened was that one day he was driving into the arena and he realized like, wow, I don't really have an impact on the game tonight. Like he said, for all those years of like the jazz in their heyday and me with the jazz, I'd pull into the arena and like my last thought every time was, all right, let's go. You got to be good tonight. You got to be good. Like as a guy out of the car, like, all right, let's get ready. Let's pump it up. I got to be good. If we're going to win tonight, I got to be good. And he's like, at the end of my career, when I was coming off the bench and playing like 15 minutes a night, I would drive in and be like, mm, okay, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm, hopefully I'm okay. Like, he's like, I just lost the, like, there wasn't the same thing. And it, it, I, I got to assume, again, I don't know, but I got to assume that that's probably a little bit of what Derek's going through too, right? Like, he's motivated and he's engaged, but he, he's not walking into the arena thinking, wow, I'm going to change the outcome of the game tonight unless something unique happens. It's not the same feeling. I, I might be told, Derek might hear this, and again, I apologize. These are one of those things that, like, I would talk to Derek and probably give him that whole story and ask him how he's comparing to that, and you just can't do that right now. So I, I apologize that I, I'm kind of being very hypothetical. I don't like to be like this. It's what I've generally avoided in my career, but left with very little other choice right now. How about Bogdanovich? It seems like his play's been up and down. Now, it doesn't really matter as much when you're winning, but I'm wondering if he's in that position of trying to find himself I mean, I, I, we have a lot, like, so, I mean, what we're kind of alluding to here is inside of the conversation of how great all of our balance is and our depth and all those things, like, that goes both ways, too, right? And it is all hunky-dory-dandy when you've won 20 of 21, but, like, we talked about at the very beginning of the year that it was going to be a little bit of a struggle for us to figure out, you know, where all the shots go. And if you add up all the shots we're supposed to have on a given night, you know, jo- Joe suddenly gets a lot of shots tonight, right? Like Mike Conley's back. There's, there's, you know, they've all been playing for six days, and and now there's 14, 14, 15 shots that have to get redistributed. And when Donovan went out for a little while, I think Boyan was big, and other guys were big, and now their shots have to be distributed. And these guys have been really good at it, and they're collective. And it's why Quinn, you know, you hear Quinn has this their 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 hour shots, not his shots, and you know everyone's working for collective shots, and that's the mentality that Quinn. He's trying to promote to these guys, but the reason Quinn's trying to promote to these guys is he's 100% aware of the fact that they're, you know, there's a there's a limited amount of shots out there, and there's a, guys who are used to getting them. So, yeah, this is this is certainly a a little bit of a mental game for the Jazz players that that they have to stay in this this really great mindset they're in right now because there is a limited amount of shots available. Do you think Bogey's healthy, or do you think a lot of what we're seeing is the wrist is still bugging him and the surgery didn't get things back to 100%? Um, so there's very little track record out there on that surgery of players returning to play from that surgery successfully, um, largely because the players who had it were all either not very good or at the end of their career. Um, but the, all of them that did have it had a pretty dramatic drop um, that then led to them, you know, either they were on their way out of the, the league Antoine Jameson at 37 years old, Xavier Henry, you know. So I think it's a really hard surgery to come back from. So I think these inconsistencies we're seeing have to be related to that. The, the one I would say, by the way, though, he straightened out his rim finishing. His The, the early season struggles for Bogey actually were rim finishing. They weren't, three, they weren't really three-point shooting. Like, early in the year, he's shooting 34% from three instead of 30, 40. Like, it's actually not that many shots, as we saw, because he got right back up to 40 pretty quickly. Um, he was really bad at the rim. And I actually think his legs weren't right. So, I think that part of the thing with Bogey early in the year was not risk-related. I thought I think he, you know, 
just his rehab and whatever other things he went through in the offseason that prevented him from being in tip-top shape. When he drove the basket, his, his, he didn't have any lift, and the ball was hitting short on the basket. He's fixed that. His rim finishing is much better right now. Um, and now his three-point shooting's off a little bit. That just could be, I mean, you know, like that's just numbers. Like let's, let's not look at his three-point shooting in 20-shot increments. Let's look at it in, you know, 200-shot increments. And so he's what, about 30, what is he, 38% for the season right now? Uh, right. Yeah, I think that's about right. All right, so he gets hot for like four days, and he's back to 40, right? If it happens, yes. But, of course, yeah, if he's so, not healthy, can it happen? Well, I mean, he got hot early and got back to 40. Now he slipped down. So, I, I mean, I think he's not I, – I would say I would guess that he probably has some scar tissue and he has some things in there that are different. He had a surgery, right? Like our bodies are not actually made to be opened and put back together. So there's something different in there, and he's just probably dealing with it. And, you know, again, kind of back to – I'm pretty useless on the show. I don't even know why you have me on. Like, I don't <laughs> have any insight at all. I don't talk to any of the players. I don't, I don't know crap for you anymore. I'm used to this. Thanks for making me feel like I suck today. I really appreciate you know, that, coming that, on the show. That's funny you say that, and I'm sure you feel it as a personal loss. But listening to your broadcast, does the listener really notice any difference in the quality of the broadcast? And I can argue, no, it doesn't. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be out on the road or anything. I'm just, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm just talking about the product that you produce. It's hard to discern that there's much of a difference. Well, from uh, let me all tell the you things what. that you produce. Let me tell you what. <laughs> um, so the listener is missing out on a lot. I can feel it every night where there's just a note or a tidbit or a piece of information or something you could share with a player. It can be. A I know silly. you can, but I wonder if they no, feel but I the think same the, way. I mean, maybe this is the classic example of like, you know, there's a missing ingredient in some sort of really nice dinner you get and you don't notice it, but the, sh- the but, but it could have right. been better. Right. Right. Like it's I gotcha. fine. And we've been put in a position to succeed by the organization. So I'm super appreciative of that. And it's fine. I'll go with that. It's fine, but it's not what it can be. And it's not delivering to the listener what you could get. And it can be as simple as riding the elevator with Donovan Mitchell ecstatic that he just found out that his sister got into American University, is going to American, and he has to share that. And so you share that tidbit with the fans, and it gives you this texture and feeling of who Donovan Mitchell really is as a person, that he's so excited for his sister going to a big game, that's what he wants to tell you in the elevator. Right? Like, I think those moments are super important. The moment in, in the team was struggling a few years ago, and I walked to the hotel lobby, and Ricky Rubio's got seven different players he's leading out for dinner, and I know the clicks of the team, and those are four different clicks that are going to dinner that night. Right? Those little tidbits tell the story to the fans of what's going on and how Ricky, you know, leaving Detroit on the, the night Ricky Rubio decided not to get stitches and come back in to finish that game that then leads to the next night where Rubio hits the three, and you get all the little backstories about those two events. There's so much the listeners missing from that. So yeah, but those when they're are the winning. Key- tr- 
Whenever right, winning 20, right. 20 out of 21, I mean, I could, that's all that matters. Right, I could be completely horse crap on the air right now, and everybody tell me I'm great because we, I'm telling him about wins every night. Jim right. Roy tells this, like, great story. I hope he doesn't mind me telling this. He was, like, brought into the office in Golden State by many bosses ago, and they told him that his Q rating was way down and it's a problem. He's like, we won 56 games last year and 24 this year. Of course my freaking Q rating is down. <laughs> I gave bad news 62 times. Like, what the hell is like? It was like crazy. My Q, I'm sure I'm like, yeah, I mean, gosh, I'm beloved right now, right? I've only given you good news 20 of 21 times. And the one night I didn't give you good news, the other team was so great, I was still giving you good news. So, of yeah. course, like, you know, like, but there's so much that's missing. And I will tell you, like, the other night, like, just to share with you, I don't know if you care, but just to share, like, Patrick Beverly's is like incredible animated character on the floor. And when you're calling a game, which you're, and I've learned this really from Kevin Harlan, by just obsessively listening to every radio game he's ever called. When you're calling a game, you're actually your own camera, right? Like, so the TV is taking you to where the TV camera and Travis Henderson and Jeremy Brunner are winning Emmys by taking the right shots all the time. Well, I'm taking you with my camera where I want to go. So I go back to Oklahoma City the night Paul George was like unbelievable the night after the All-Star game. And one of my better calls was like Paul George was like laying on the ground, just surely exhausted just but on fire and having to take free throws and taking the extra second he could to get up because he was so tired. And you, and I took my camera to that spot and took the listener right there to that moment. The other night, like Patrick Beverly's being animated and he's doing, I was like, I'm, so I start to take the camera, my camera to Patrick Beverly. He's the story right now. Donovan's one for eight. Beverly's causing the problems. Let's go into Beverly. He's so animated. What's he doing? And the TV camera switches off with him. And I'm just screwed. Like, I'm like, you know, I don't know if you remember the call was like Beverly pacing toward the official hands out wide and they shot to another shot. But I now have no idea what Patrick Beverly is doing because I'm in Salt Lake City and he's in Los Angeles. So it's brutal. But I'm glad to know that it's feasible. And as long as I can tell everybody about 20 or 21 wins, everybody will be happy. Yeah. That's for sure. Just win 95% of the time and everything will be okay. <laughs> right. And, that, and, my, and then I can go into a meeting and say I want to raise because my Q rating's good. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Let me know how that goes for you. Okay, thanks. All right, David, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, even if you know, you're only uh, 73% of your normal self. I'm far less than that on road games. On home games, I should be way better than that. How's that? There you go. Okay. Thanks, David. See you. All right, David Locke, joining us every Friday here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. His weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team.